Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. Uh, my Gazette colleague Adam Schinder joins me a little bit later to talk high school football. It's week four of the season that kicks off on Friday. The puck drops on the Union College men's hockey season on Saturday when the Dutchman hosts RIT. And it's a new era in uh, Union men's hockey as Josh Halge takes over as head coach. He was hired back in mid-April uh, after a national search. He was work- He was an assistant at Clarkson. And uh, he's going to take over a program. It's, uh, it's, it was an interesting uh, season last year for the Dutchman coming back uh, to play after missing the 2020-21 season because of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. It was a tumultuous season. Uh, they finished 9-11-2 in the ECAC hockey play, finishing 7th. Uh, they did make the quarterfinals of the uh, tournament, uh, but uh, lost to Clarkson in two overtime games. And their re- overall record is 14-19-4. Of course, uh, back in, in uh, late January, uh, Union head coach Rick Bennett resigned after an investigation was coaching style. John Ronan ran the club for the remainder of the season. He was a candidate for, for the head coaching position that went to Josh Halge. Uh, Halge kept uh, John on as an assistant coach, and uh, they really seem to be getting along fine. Everything seems to be good with, between those two, uh, so it's, that's good to see. Uh, Monday uh, was media day at uh, Mesa Rink. We got to talk to a lot of the players, and, of course, so we talked to Josh Halge. And in talking with some of the players and the interviews are here in just a few minutes, uh, they were seem to have very high praise for the way things are going right now. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting season. Uh, it's uh, you know Josh uh, talking with him Monday seemed very excited. Nervous. He said he was going to be nervous uh, when he gets behind the bench Saturday night uh, for the first time as a head coach in college hockey. So we'll see how he uh, reacts and see how the team reacts. Uh, here's a snippet of my interview uh, with uh, head coach Josh Halge. I know it's your here on Monday, but what's the excitement level for you as you get ready for your first game as a head coach? I mean, it's starting to get real. I mean, it's a little nerve-wracking in the sense that there's so much you want to cover and you know that you're not going to get everything done. But um, the guys have been working hard. It's a good group and cautiously optimistic. For you personally, what is this, you know, leading up to this Saturday? What's it going to be like for you? And, uh, I mean, is it nervousness at this point in a little bit? I, I, for sure, it's going to be. There's going to be some nerves. I mean, this is something. I mean, it's a dream come true to be the, you know, the head coach of the program, and um, you, you want it, everything to go perfect, and that's not the way it's going to go. But um, you know, we just want the effort to be high and to, to have fun along the way. How have the uh, practices been? Are you seeing uh, positive signs uh, heading into Saturday's game? We're definitely more structured than we were um, early on. I mean, early on there was a lot of. You know, you're, you're trying to get out of summer hockey habits, and um, I, I think that that's transitioned a little bit to where we're thinking and, and we're trying to play fast. But, um, you know, again, the systems, it's going to be, I'm sure we'll be sloppy on Saturday night, but um, fairly confident the effort will be will be high. I'm curious, um, coming from Clarkson, um, you know, are there any inherent advantages from knowing the league and knowing a little bit? bit about the union program from afar that that will help you here yeah i definitely think that you know i had more knowledge about the team than maybe a guy that's coming in from a you know just completely blind to the team but um overall i it's you know 
it's 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 five on five on the ice, and it's you know it doesn't matter if we're playing an Atlantic school, a hockey East school, Big Ten. Like we have to compete, we have to get after teams, and and we got to you know push our pace. When you were at Clarkson, um, you know what kind of impressions? What, what did you expect out of Union every time you played them? Definitely an honest, solid effort. They're a team that that competed hard. Um, Always, um, and and they you know they played fast, and that's you know I, I think we'd like to do the same. Can you compare and contrast? Um, you know, I know you were involved in a lot of recruiting at Clarkson. Are you looking for similar players, or any differences in in like the kind of players you're trying to get here as opposed to uh, Clarkson? I, I think you know it takes you know a lot of different kinds of players to put a you know a complete team together. Um, you know, we want guys that want to have the puck, they want to possess the puck. Um, they want to make plays with it, but they're gonna, you know, when they don't have it, they're gonna be hungry to get after it and and get it back. So that's that's what we want to have is just guys that compete really hard. But um, you're always looking to up your skill level. You're always looking to up your compete level, and um, I, I think that the guys have have shown that they can do that already in practice. What are you expecting in the uh, first eight uh, non-conference games? Or what are you looking for as you head into uh, conference play? Well, I think you know. Finding what we have, I think, is the biggest thing. Is you know, hey, certain guys are going to be better in in different situations, and trying to find that out as a staff. Um, overall, it's just you know, developing our culture of of compete and making sure that we're we're working really hard. Um, and then we got to try to find ways to win hockey games early in the preseason. Um, you're out of conference season. You got you got to find ways to win hockey games to help your conference out, and then put yourself in a position, you know, to to do well in the conference season. Who has impressed you in uh, the, the practices so far? Um, I, I think you know Liam Robertson has been, has been really good. He's he's found ways to finish. Um, really liked him. Obviously, Connor Murphy's outstanding goaltender every single night. Um, I think you know in uh, as far as first year guys, I, I think Nate Hanley's you know really grabbed um, a center position for us and as someone that can be depended on um, and can make plays as well. Um, John Prokop on the back end as a first-year player has you know, shown he can get up in the play and um, really moves pucks well and um, has, a, has a high ceiling. When you're coming to a new program, um, you know, how, how good is it to have the goalie's position sort of solidified as such an important position so that maybe you, know, you don't have to scramble to try to figure out who you're going to plug in, into the net? You know, it's it's nice to have you know Murph as you know kind of a security blanket to know that like if we make a mistake, we got a guy that can can bail us out a lot, and um, you know hopefully we're gonna you know help him out right away, and we won't put him in that spot. But it is nice to know, and um, you know it, it is it is probably the hardest position to find. So having a guy that you know you know can can do the job well and has experience is is nice to have. How important is that? You mentioned Liam. You mentioned uh, Connor. I mean, how important is it for the guys like that who were here last year and some of the other players that have been in this program for a while? I mean, do you do they you lean on them for advice, or they do you, do, uh, as far as you know some of the things that, that they used to and what what have you talked to them about that? Well, you know, it's it's their program. I mean, I'm I, I might be uh, right now our staff might be steering the ship, but they're the guys that 
you know, compete hard every single night. And they're the ones who are going to score goals and make plays. So um, it's it's nice to rely on them and, and know how they want things done and what they like. Um, some things they, they may like to keep the same, but there are certain things that might be open to new ideas. So um, we definitely want, you know, to give them a voice and let them, you know, have a say. At the end of the day, we got to make the final final call. But um, it's nice to be able to, to rely on mature kids that are mature men that do things the right way. Another guy that... The Dutchmen are set in goal as uh, Connor Murphy, the Hudson Falls natives, returns for his uh, senior season. And in his first season last year after transferring from Northeastern, he posted a 14-18-3 record with three shutouts, a 2.66 goals against average, and a 9.919 uh, save percentage. He set a team record with 1,060 saves. Here's my uh, conversation with uh, goaltender Connor Murphy. Yeah, normally... Yeah, you get excited for the start of the season, but obviously it's it's tenfold now with the fact you have a new coach, uh, new systems, uh, a lot of players here on the roster. So what, what's what, how excited are you for this season more than maybe in past seasons? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of change going on here, but um, obviously the excitement level hasn't changed for us. I mean, I know for myself personally, uh, I'm pumped to get get going this weekend. You know, first game at home, it's it's pretty exciting. And uh, I can probably say the same for a lot of the other guys on our team. So, obviously, uh, new coach, uh, two new coaches, and you know a lot of new guys coming in. So it's uh, it's going to be going to be a good test for us. And I think that we're gonna, we're going to be ready to go for uh, this weekend. See what we can do. What have the practices been like? Have you noticed a difference between Josh's style and Rick's style? Yeah, obviously. You know, I mean, Coach, uh, Coach Howji's he's been pretty uh, intense with us. You know, he's not. He's not rolling over. He's, you know, he, he has a, uh, a standard that he wants set, and uh, he, he's going to make sure that all the guys are following that standard. You know, same with Rick. He, he was the same way, but you know, he had a couple different uh, coaching strategies that, you know, kind of stand out between the two of them, just a little bit different. But, um, you know, both of them were both great coaches, and obviously Josh, I think, is going to be really good for us. And uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see how it translates for the games. What do you like about Josh's coaching style? I like his intensity. You know, he's a he's a very laid back guy off the ice, and you know, he's somebody you can you can really go talk to. But once you get on the ice, like I said before, he has a standard that he he wants everybody playing at, and and everybody kind of abides by that standard. So it's it's good to see the intensity in practice. How have the practices been? Because you really you know, don't have much time to practice before October first. You're only limited to what you can do. So how have they how have they gone? I mean, what have you liked? What haven't you liked? Yeah, like kind of like what I just said before, you know, the intensity is really there. You know, there's a lot of excitement in practice. I think guys are really excited to get to the rink and practice and work work for Coach Hauji. And, uh, you know, his style is uh, it's very fair. You know, he expects a certain thing, and, you know, you're going to give him that certain thing or else you might not play. But it's it seems to be that everybody is kind of following that standard, like I said before. And uh, the practices have been have been very high pace, and you know there's a lot of a lot of skills involved, and we're also doing a lot of systems to work on things for the games. It's a deep roster too, so I mean, does that fuel the competition? Maybe knowing that you know, players aren't guaranteeing anything. I mean, people are you know battling for jobs. Of course, yeah. We have we're roughly 35 guys on the team. You know, there's four goalies. Everybody's competing hard every day in practice. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now, so we're going to have to find out what happens uh, come game week, and then we're going to see uh, see where it goes from there. But there's definitely a lot a lot of competition within the team. What are you guys looking for in the first eight games of the, uh, the these non-conference games before you head into the conference play? What are you guys looking for? Yeah, we're looking to, to play our game, you know, play solid hockey. And um, obviously, there's a lot, I think there's a lot of doubt within our team right now based on other teams in the conference, but. Uh, 
but you know there's uh, there's there's a lot of pressure on us right now just because of the new coaching and uh, and a lot of the new guys. But I think that we're gonna we're gonna have to just prove people wrong and you know come out come out swinging and, and see what happens. But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to be prepared for the weekends. Junior forward Liam Robertson is the team's top returning scorer. He had 13 goals and 6 assists for 19 points in 35 games last season. He led the team with 8 power play goals. He also scored the first goal of the game 8 times, which led the team. Here's my conversation with Liam Robertson. Uh, Liam, uh, what's the excitement level? Yeah, Normally, to start the season, you're excited, but does it seem like a little more excitement with a new head coach? Yeah, for sure. Uh, everything's exciting. We, we know what we're going to get now. We've had him here for a month and all spring, and uh, we've loved having him here. He's been great so far, and uh, I'm super excited to get going. What have practices been like here? I mean, do, do you see a different style, different intensity? Yes and no. I feel like practices are generally very similar to everyone, everyone's practices. And uh, but just having a new face around here, obviously there's some differences, and everybody's got that intense level. With not, we don't really know what we're gonna get because we're still feeling him out. He's feeling us out, and but everything's been going really good so far. Yeah, and how has that feeling out process been? Me, do you what? What do you see in him? What do you like about him as uh, what he's been doing so far? Just very open. The communication with everybody's been been fantastic. If there's ever been there's no. No problems so far, so but if there ever is one, just go and talk. The open communication, his door's always open, so it's been nothing but great. John Ronan's a familiar face on the staff, obviously, that you've known for a couple of years now. How, how beneficial is it to have somebody on the staff from a con- continuity standpoint with a new head coach in there where you kind of you know, know what you're going to get from John, and what what does he bring to the table? Oh, I, think, I, I think it's huge to have the familiarity there, especially with two new coaches coming in. Um, John's going to bring uh, the offensive side to us. He's going to be running the forwards again. He knows his stuff. We're familiar with all the guys here. He's recruited pretty well, every one of us, and all of us are very uh, comfortable with him, and uh, nothing but good to say about John. When he was recruiting you, how did he sell you on Union? Well, for the school aspect, obviously it was the three classes, but for it was just <laughs> the national championship, and then uh, in 2014, how good I, I got to come down and watch. I got to see how good the guys were. I got to meet a few of them, and just the whole atmosphere here just felt like home for me. And I, it's how I just chose to come here. So, yeah, there's a lot of players here. 33 players on the roster. I mean, the competition has to be fierce. I mean, how does that help you guys and help? You know, the returning guys make you feel not comfortable. I mean, you have to you have to work for your job. Yeah, of course, having that big roster gives that that sense of competition. And for the older guys, I think that's what what we really need. And I think that's the comfortability is kind of still there. But now you're someone else is coming for your job now too. And I think that's uh, what's going to push us to be better. What have uh, the practice been like? It's me. What I should say. What do you expect out of the first eight games of the season? As I mean, there's probably going to be mistakes, and obviously because you're not practicing much because you're not allowed to practice much. So, what do you expect out of these first eight games? Uh, I feel like it's going to be a filling out process for some people. I feel like expect the returners to be. They know what's to expect, and they're going to help out the younger guys who have or the guys that haven't played as much. So it uh, it gives them a little bit of help as well. But uh, everybody's going to help each other out. And I think it's going to be good though. Junior forward Chad Smedrud had uh, five goals and 11 assists for 16 points in 37 games last season. He's uh, looking forward to the start of another campaign with the Dutchman. Here is Chaz Smedrud. Chaz, what's the excitement level been like 
for this start of this season, obviously new coach, uh, new systems. Is it more one of the more exciting season openers that you've been involved with? Yeah, definitely. It's it's very exciting. We got a lot of new guys, and everyone's just excited to get to the rink every day, and it's all culminating into Saturday. So everyone's ready to go. How has Josh been uh, with you guys? I mean, you're still getting the knowing knowing him process. Yeah, he's been super encouraging. Uh, he knows what he's talking about, and he knows how to get it done. So it's been it's been really good for the guys to kind of get out there on the ice with him, and he's working with us really well. So it's been good. Obviously, a lot of players on this roster. I think 33. Uh, so it's one of the deepest rosters I think Union's had in a long time. Of course, that's going to foster competition in practice. Uh, what has that been like? Have you seen an intensity that maybe you haven't seen in recent recent year practices? Yeah, that's one of the staples that Howdy's kind of putting on us. Like we got to compete every day, come ready to work hard, and it's going to carry over onto the weekend. So it's only going to help us. Help what us out. What have you seen of what he? What do you like about what he has done so far? Uh, I love how fast paced he is. He like we don't take very many breaks on the ice, so it's it's pretty intense, and it gets all the guys in good shape and ready for the weekend. So it's just kind of playing how you're gonna practicing how you're gonna play on the weekends is a big thing for him. So, what are you expecting out of the first eight non-conference games before you start league play? Uh, just expecting to kind of figure out what kind of team we are, build our identity, and hopefully we can go from there. Senior forward Owen Ferris had three goals and five assists for eight points in 22 games last season. I think he's one of the uh, top uh, players returning as far as a leadership role is concerned. Here's my conversation with Owen Ferris. Owen, uh, obviously, it's, you always want to be. A, you're always excited at the start of a new season. But with the new coach here and Josh Halge, do you sense a different level of excitement than maybe in years past? Yeah, definitely coming back here, um, you know, under new leadership with with Howie has been really good and a little bit of transition, and I think guys are definitely a little more excited and a little more juiced to come back with a little bit of unexpected, but also a little bit of excitement around you know what can be, and um, I think we're really starting to see what he's uh, got to bring to the table and why he was hired here. And I think we're really excited going into our first weekend for that. What have you seen in the uh, practice that you had? Um, I think the number one thing is passion. Like he's he's very passionate in everything that he does. He wants us to do well. He wants us to succeed, and he's willing to to supply us with whatever we need in order to get there. And I think that's extremely key. And everyone feels his energy when he talks and what he demands from us. So I think that's uh, kind of his key driver right now. It's a deep roster, probably one of the deepest rosters that Union's had in a long time. How has that fostered? Uh, the competitiveness and practices. Yeah, definitely. With Howji coming in, he definitely wanted a team that was competitive um, in practice every day. And you know, guys are fighting for spots. We're going to have you know seven seven forwards or so in the stands every night. Um, so it's going to be difficult uh, to fight for roster spots. And I think it's meant that practices have been more intense. No one quite feels safe in their spot, and everyone's always um, going as hard as they can. You have a eight um, non-conference games to start the season before you head to the face RPI at the end of October. Uh, what do you expect? What are you expecting? What do you want to see in the first uh, eight games? Um, we obviously want to see a lot of wins. Yeah. You want to you want to come out hot and you want to have that start. But I think more than anything, we want to see everyone kind of come together. We've got nine freshmen, four transfers. We're a close team already, and the guys have integrated really well. And beyond, um, you know, winning on the ice, um, I think watching us all come together and how that is going to progress throughout the year, um, I think this first weekend will be really telling. Uh, 
this team, you mentioned the closeness of the transfers and the, the you know, new guys. I mean, how important is it to have that closeness, especially with a new coach? Um, you know, I think it's incredibly important. I think we, as a team, have always been very close. We, you know, small school where we see, like, I, I don't walk anywhere without seeing the guy on, that's on our team, um, which is great. And we do a lot of things together um, off the ice. Um, it's the closest team I've ever been a part of. And I think that's made it easy for the 13 guys that came in to instantly integrate because, you know, we're already all, all together all the time, um, always doing stuff. So we have the opportunity to really integrate them into what our culture is. Um, and I think that's going to pay dividends uh, coming in this weekend. A couple of guys coming back from uh, serious leg injuries from last year. Bram Schreer uh, hurt himself early in the season against Clarkson, uh, lost for the season. Uh, Christian Sanda late in the season at Yale. Uh, is it good to get them back, and uh, how important is it for them to, to be back with this club? Definitely. I mean, they're both impact players. We saw Bram in his, his short stint, and you see him on the ice now. Like he, he's, he's a top player, um, so he's definitely going to have an impact coming back. Sanda, as he continues to recover, I mean, we know what he can do. He's a valuable penalty killer and does a lot of good things and is a, a guy that people look up to around the room. So having him back in the lineup and just going to bring even more competition. Like Guys are going to get a little bit of opportunity maybe at the beginning with uh, some guys out, but come you know, middle of the year when we have everyone in our lineup going, um, you're really going to see that competitive uh, edge and the ability to, to have a full lineup every night that's uh, competitive. Coming up, I'll speak with two members of the Dutchman who are coming back from serious injuries, forwards Bram Shearer and Christian Sanda. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. I'll never forget the day I decided to go out for the football team. Mr. Banks, the JV football coach and my history teacher, asked me to stay after class. I thought I was in trouble. He said, hey, Darius, have you thought about going out for football? I think you'd be great. Fact is, I never played football. Fact is, I never had anyone tell me I'd be great at something. So, with no experience at all, I signed up. And a week later, I padded up and was running drills on the field. I never was great, but playing high school sports was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I was accepted by my teammates, and I learned that when someone believes in you, you can believe in yourself. Encourage a student you know to take part in a high school sport. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. This is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. And if you uh, read my story in Tuesday's print edition of the Gazette and online Monday, I spoke with uh, two uh, members of the Union Dutchman who are coming back from some serious injuries. Forward Bram Shearer uh, broke his leg uh, last season in an early season game against Clarkson. And uh, Christian Sanda, another forward, uh, injured his knee in a late-season game against Yale. Uh, both are coming back from those injuries. Shearer has uh, been practicing with the team, while Sanda is still um, yeah, working out, but he, he's skating, but not ready to uh, practice with the team yet. Let's start with uh, Bram Shearer, who played in eight games last season and had three assists. Uh, Bram, it had to be a tough year for you last season. You, you don't you know, season four. You don't play your freshman year. You come here, you suffer a, a leg injury uh, early in the season. You lose your season. How tough was that for you mentally? 
It was tough, yeah, not going to lie, but uh, I mean, adversity makes you stronger, so I was trying to look at the positives of it all. And I mean, you can learn from things watching the stand, so I tried to take that perspective of it. But yeah, it was challenging, but I'm happy to be back. How tough was it to take positives out of that? I mean, I, you know, we saw the injury here. I mean, it was right where we're standing, it was right, almost right in front of us. Uh, what, first of all, what happened on that play? Uh, basically, my leg just got caught kind of sideways, and a guy landed on it, and like the, it, my ankle wanted to break, but since it's in the boot, it like kept my ankle from breaking, and then it just went all the way up until it could crack, so it wasn't fun, yeah. Did you know right away? I knew something was messed up. I thought, like, I was scared to look at my legs. I thought it was going to be to the side, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah. What has the rehab been like to, to get back, and uh, how difficult what, at times was it? It's challenging. It's definitely mentally fatiguing, but uh, I would say after, like, the first three months, once I was walking again and stuff, then it's not bad. But when you're on crutches and stuff, just those little things are such a hassle. It's going to the bathroom, going to make a sandwich. So after the first couple months, it wasn't that bad. Uh, with the new coach, obviously, and the, you know, the ironic thing is Clarkson was here when that injury and Josh Hodge was on the, on the bench. But uh, how's Josh handled you? Uh, how do you uh, what's the relationship been like so far? It's been awesome so far. Uh, he's from Minnesota, so I actually skated with his brother-in-law over the summer, so kind of got to know him a little bit that way. And then just he came in with a very open sheet. Everyone had a clean slate, and, uh, yeah, everyone's just trying to work their way into the lineup. Uh, how tough when you first started skating again? I mean, how how many months uh, was it before you started skating after the injury and and the surgery? And uh, how tough was it to you know, did it take some time to get used to again? It definitely did. Yeah, the first couple months I still had all the hardware in there, so it just didn't feel right. So that was right as our season was ending, I was getting back on the ice, and just didn't feel very confident. But then later this summer, I got all the hardware out, and now I feel perfect. How many pins were in there? What did they put, Rod? Yeah, it was uh, like six screws in one plate, so it wasn't that bad. It sounds bad. Yeah, it, it, it could have been way worse. It could have been way worse. So I'm, I'm just thankful to be healthy again in skating. Do you notice anything? Has everything sort of gotten back to normal pre-injury? Yeah, skating, I don't feel it at all. Running, I'm a bit slower than I used to be, but on the ice, I feel great. No, you don't have to run on the ice. You have exactly, to skate. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, I was, we talk about the, the competition this year for the on the ice. 30, the 33 players, the deepest roster the unions had in a long time. I mean, how important was it for you to get back and get ready for this season? You know, coming off the injury. It was very important. I had a very short summer, as I just said, with the quick turnaround on my surgery. But you know, it's it makes it competitive. Practice is really competitive. Everyone knows that their spot has to be earned. Nothing's given. So uh, I mean. It might be mentally hard for some guys, but it brings out the best of everyone. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, you were starting. To, you were coming on there a little bit towards before the injury. So do you feel you can, you know, get back to where you were uh, pre-injury? Yeah, definitely. I think it's all just confidence. So building confidence. Coach Halji's been great with that. He wants guys to want to make plays, not be scared to make mistakes. So I'm pretty. I feel good that I'll have a good year. Well, uh, the eight games, non-conference games. What are you guys expecting? Um. I mean, a lot of new faces, just kind of build chemistry with guys, work as hard as we can, and hopefully win as many as we can.
Christian Sanda played in 24 games last season, scored uh, three goals and had three assists for six points. And in the game he was injured at Yale in February, he did score a goal in that game. Uh, Sanda, as I said, is uh, you know, working his way back, still not ready to uh, practice yet, but he is skating. And he talked about uh, his recovery. Christian, uh, your season ended prematurely last year with the injury against Yale. I mean, how disappointing was that, and how are you progressing? Uh, honestly, it's pretty unfortunate. It's not how you want to end your year, obviously, especially when we're kind of hot there at the end of the year and going to the playoffs. Um, but, you know, I just I took it with a grain of salt. I went out in the summer. I was fortunate enough to be with, uh, when I get surgery with one of the top knee surgeons in the country. He works with NHL players, so it was kind of a no-brainer for me. And it's fortunate enough, he was out of Minnesota, where I'm from. So, um, But I was well taken care of all summer. He had me with the staff all summer. That was just fantastic to try and get me back here. And even coming back to school, uh, I've been with uh, the training staff here. They're doing everything they can to basically get me back on the ice here, as well as the coaching staff here uh, getting me on the ice with just them and stuff. So, I mean, I could be happier with how the rehab's been going and stuff. Just looking forward to what's, what's to come here. When did you have the surgery? Uh, March 17th was the date. So, okay, so it was, yeah, so it was right, right a month before uh, yeah. I remember seeing you on the crutches. I know, though. Um, yeah, you, you didn't play in 2020-21. You come back. Mentally, how tough was that to, you know, for that to happen? And just how, how did you deal with it? It was not easy, that's for sure. Having a year off, watching all your friends play on other teams. Um, it's definitely, I don't know, it sucks getting cut short. But, you know, we took it. Uh, it was actually here to get better to train. And, you know, I thought we did that. And we came back. And it showed there at the end of the year once we kind of got our feet wet. So I think a lot of the guys kind of learning curve. It's, you know, it's unfortunate for the young guys there last year. They didn't get a year under their belt. But, you know, I thought... Thought we progressed well. So, how important is it to stay patient with the rehab process, not overdo it, not rush it, and you know maybe do further damage? No, that's definitely a thing. I'm definitely a thing I'm working with. I'm kind of one of those guys where I don't have I don't have that filter to kind of like relax. So, but you know I'm really really thankful to have have a good group around me uh, as far as like the training staff, my physical therapist at home. They're they're really doing a really good job of kind of containing me on what I can and can't do and I mean as far as it's going I think it's going really well and yeah when do they expect when do you expect uh, have they give you the timetable when you can actually start practicing with the team and when you can re- return to action I have no idea right now we're kind of taking it here like week to week just uh, basically I go a week and I'll have a phone call and like reassess so honestly I have no idea how has the coaching change uh uh, worked out so far. I mean, what differences do you see between what Josh has been doing, and maybe if you've been watching practices, to what Rick did? You know, I just I think there's a lot of excitement with you know new coach. Uh, we had a lot of new players too. It's just excitement is just filling the room. Um, the compete level is still just as high as it was last year with Rick. So I don't I don't see that much of a change. But I just I see a lot of excitement coming in this new year. I mean, obviously there's a lot of players on this roster. It's probably the biggest roster this team program has had in a long time. So uh, with that in mind, I mean, how do you you know maybe just follow up to with the uh, you know same patient with question? Uh, I mean, how do you you know seeing that and just you know being careful not to overdo it? Just gotta stay patient, like you said. Um, not not to look too far ahead, because I don't know. It's a tough question, but you know, I just know I know what I can bring to the table, and just if I stay the course, and I know what I can do, be all right.
We'll head to the gridiron as we talk high school football with the Gazette's Adam Schinder. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, the 370,000 high school student athletes in New York have one last request. Please set an example. Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents. There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual, it's worth remembering this about New York high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Andrew Catalan of CBS Sports and formerly of News Channel 13 WNYT. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schindler. Welcome back to the podcast. Adam Schindler of the Gazette joins us now for our weekly uh, talk about high school football. Week four as we get set. The halfway mark for some teams, and maybe some more teams are past the halfway mark. Yeah, and the uh, some teams are playing eight games, some teams are playing seven game regular seasons, uh, Class C seven games. So there, this goes past the halfway point. Everyone else halfway home, but still most of the division games still to go. So we know a little bit, but a lot still to be sorted out. Just seemed like uh, yesterday when CBA was uh, uh, Syracuse was hosting Shaker in Utica. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, time flops. <laughs> yes, it does. So let's look. I mean, we had another overtime game last Friday in the Colorado City Cup, and LaSalle pulls off the victory over Troy. Yeah, uh, LaSalle last year uh, had an overtime game also on TV uh, that didn't go their way on an extra point in overtime that, uh, if replay existed in high school football, would have still been going. Uh, Troy went. For, Troy, Troy had the ball first, uh, scored, went for two, got stopped. LaSalle scores. Uh, Matt bought his fourth touchdown of the game and went out, boot the extra point and win it. And a big, a big win to start to sort out uh, what I have always, uh, the last few years, called the chaos division mm-hmm. in Section 2 Class A football because the capital division uh, has just produced the nuttiest, nuttiest results. So, You're on the road. Uh, yeah, it's like what Troy was there at, at LaSalle. Why would you go for two instead of maybe going for the, the traditional extra point? Because it's high school football, and uh, I honestly think in high school football you have a better chance getting two yards. Uh, your odds are at least as good uh, for most high school football teams getting two yards as trying to get an extra point off. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about last weekend is Amsterdam did not play a three-hour game. No, they were done, and they were done nice and early on yeah. Sunday afternoon. Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon. <laughs> well, anyway, um, let's look at the power rankings in Class AA. The top two teams remain the same in CBA and then Shenandoah. Uh, Shaker and Saratoga Springs both move ahead of Gilderland after uh, Saratoga Springs uh yeah, with another yeah, that impressive was, win. That was the, I wrote about this in my uh, Point After column this week. Saratoga Springs had a chance to really prove that there was another team to challenge the top four, and they did. They're down 14-6 late in the fourth quarter. Uh, Rodell Evans, their quarterback, throws two late touchdown passes to Gordon Murray. Uh, they come up, they get a really, really big win 
absolutely huge uh, for the Blues. It's one of their biggest wins in a few years. Uh, and we, we, you know, it makes the month of October in Class A, or Class AA, a lot more interesting. Uh, the top of the class, you know, CBA, Shannon Shaker. You know, at this point, Shaker lost a one-point overtime game to, to CBA, and we're going to find out a lot more uh, in what is probably our biggest game of this week uh, when Shen faces Shaker, and then CBA will get Shen and the rest of these teams as the season moves on. Saratoga Springs has been a program that was, you know, powerful for years. They've really been on the downside recently, but, I mean, how important is it for them to get back on track? Yeah, this is big. They were, they were a team that would kind of go, They for a few years, they would go in cycles. So uh, they'd have a really strong team, and they got to the state finals uh, middle of the last decade, uh, and they'd kind of they kind of go on a wave every couple of years, and it really kind of bottomed out the last two or three. So this is a really, really good sign uh, for a program that's really been, been a big part of the history of Section yeah. Two football. Well, let's go to Class A now, and uh, uh, Boston Spot takes over the top spot from Burn Hills, Boston Lake. Uh, who drops to number two? Amsterdam is third. LaSalle fourth. We have tied for fifth with Niskeuna and Avril Park, and uh, Troy getting some votes. Yeah, Boston spot I think actually gets the bump uh, in some of our voter for some, for some of our voters from the fact that they have a win over Saratoga, which all of a sudden looks much much better. Uh, Boston spot is absolutely uh, taking care of business so far. Uh, big game this week for them in the Grosso Division against Niskeuna. Burnells, you can't fault. They played CBA f- uh, tough in Week One. They've gone out. They've uh, they dispatched their last couple opponents uh, without any trouble. Amsterdam just scoring a ridiculous number. Uh, they scored a lot of points, especially for a Class A program. Uh, their quarterback, Jai Valon, uh, is having maybe the best season of anyone in Section 2 football. Amsterdam scored, I believe, 15 offensive touchdowns. He is responsible for all of them. Uh, either as, I think, 17 now. Mm-hmm. 17 offensive touchdowns. He is responsible for all of them. Uh, either as a runner or a passer, uh, LaSalle, Niskiuna, Avril Park. That's a, it's that four through six or seven is going to be a big mishmash that'll get sorted out over the next few weeks. Well, let's look at Class B now. Last week there was a tie for the top between Gloversville and Glens Falls, but this week Glens Falls has it all alone, followed by Gloversville. And then Ravina, Coyman, Selkirk, Shawmont, and Scotia Glenville with uh, Lansing Burr getting some votes. Yeah, Glens Falls uh, again has just looked. They look back to what they were before losing before losing to Ravina uh, in the playoffs last year. Uh, went out, handled Hudson Falls in the Jug game. Gloversville uh, has you know has done everything right so far this season, but the big question for them uh, is really just going to come up in October. They're going to have to face Ravina. They're going to have to face Glens Falls. It's going to be a tough and really important close to the season uh, for the Huskies. Ravina uh, bounced back from its uh, loss to Glens Falls. Shaumont, uh started out with a really tough schedule. They had Ravina and Gloversville their first two games out of the gate. They've come out the last two weeks, two shutouts. They threw a 99-yard touchdown yeah. pass uh, over the weekend. Uh, they've got a big one uh, on Friday against Scotia that we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. And Class C, Skylerville remains on top there, followed by a tie for second with Fonda, Fultonville, and Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren. And then Broadham, Perth, and Hoosick Falls, Tamarack, with uh, Stillwater getting some votes. Yeah, uh, still, Skylerville almost quietly uh, doing what they do, which is just beat teams 55-6 to six, uh, on a pretty regular basis. Uh, beyond that, the the really teams 2, 3, 4, and 5 here, 2, 2, 4, and 5 with the tie, are really, really close. And it's going to be fun to see some of these teams meet up. You know, 
Fonda Fultonville uh, against Section 2 competition has decimated three straight teams. They have a, a close win against uh, Central Valley Academy, a Class B team from out in Section 3 back in Week 0. Uh, Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren, uh, buckle up for this stat. Their scoring margin in four games is 245-6. Ouch. Uh, the, Wolver- Ouch. the Wolverines, a new merged team, uh, have just looked fantastic. They have not been tested yet. They probably will this week against Stillwater. Broad Alban Perth, very similar. They've allowed 14 points uh, in four games. Their offense has really clicked the last few weeks. And Hoosick Falls Tamarack, another you know quiet team. They lost to Skylerville early, and they've taken care of business uh, since then, including a big win over Stillwater. And then Class D, uh, Cambridge-Salem and Greenwich still stay at 1-2 there. Chadman and uh, Voorheesville flip spots. Chadman takes over the third spot. Voorheesville drops to four. And Canada Harry Fourth playing stays at five with Helderberg Valley receiving some votes. Uh, that was actually last week that was Helderberg up, Valley received I'm those, sorry, yeah, received those again, votes. Right, so we yeah, pretty yeah. much locked sorry. in our five uh, in, class, in Class D, which really is uh, the entire classification is probably going to come down to both this week's game between uh, Cambridge, Salem, and Greenwich that will probably determine the top seed, and then in a few weeks, Canada, Harry, Fort Plain, and Voorheesville will meet, which will probably determine the number four seed. Greenwich uh, uh, held on after they nearly blew a 21-point halftime lead to Canada, Harry, Fort Plain. Chatham kind of vaulted itself uh, up. They absolutely uh, really made a statement last week, 41-12 win over a Voorheesville team that I think a lot of people really liked uh, what they were doing and had just come close uh, to knocking off Greenwich. So we'll see what happens as, uh, as some of these Class D teams meet over the next month. Well, you have five gu- uh, games highlighted for uh, this weekend, all on Friday, uh, last, the last uh, Friday of September, last day of September. Let's start in uh, Class AA with that Shen Shaker matchup. Yeah, probably one of the most anticipated games uh, of the entire year. Uh, these two teams split with each other last year. Uh, Shaker won during the, play- during the regular season. Uh, they were the number one seed heading into the playoffs. Shen beats them uh, in the playoffs. Big, big win. It was uh, Shen head coach Brian Clausen's first ever win over Shaker. Uh, Shen has gone undefeated, and they're the only class AA team that really hasn't been tested against any of the other top uh, class AA contenders. So we'll learn a lot about the Plainsmen uh, on Friday night. It does, I mean, obviously, you mentioned that uh, Shen beat... Shaker last year, I believe it was on Shaker's fields. Yeah. They're, they're at uh, Shaker again on Friday. Does home field mean much in this game? Uh, sometimes, but it's that's always hard to to gauge. Uh, it's it's high school. It's high school football. Ninety to ninety five percent of the time, talent will no. out. The better t- the better team usually wins a high school football game. You got a couple of uh, Class A games highlighted. Let's start with Avril Park and Troy. Yeah, Avril Park and Troy. Uh, Avril Park, I think, was a little surprising uh, in how tight their game against Columbia was uh, last week. Only a thirteen to seven win. It's a team with a good amount of talent, but not a lot of numbers on its roster. Troy has been a surprising team. You know, they didn't play the toughest schedule their first couple of weeks out, uh, but they were impressive and right with uh, a pretty good LaSalle team uh, on Friday night, only losing uh, in overtime. And then the other Class A game, uh, Niskiuna at Balsam Spa. Yeah, Niskiuna uh, got a chance to really get right last week. They scored a lot of points against Queensbury, which, uh, fortunately for Queensbury, everybody seems to be doing yeah. uh, this year. This is a measuring stick game for them uh, against the Balsam Spa team that looks like they are really, really good. They're 4-0. They got two. They've got two double A wins. One of them against you know a top four double A team in Saratoga, and, and you're really looking about this is a potential Scotty's team that might have finally 
figured things out and gotten things to, you know, they were a semifinals team a couple of years back, and, and they're a team that has the look, and we'll probably know more as they get into October and they face Burn Hills late in the regular season, but they have a look of a team that can make a deep playoff run. In Class B, it's uh, Scotia Glenville at Shalmont. Yeah, uh, it's weird to say this in the game that's still being played in September. This game is probably going to determine... Uh, the four teams who make the playoffs in Class B. Uh, Ravina, Glens Falls, Gloversville should all pretty comfortably make it. These are the two teams that would seem to have the best chance uh, to get the four seed. Lansingburg will be in that conversation as well. Uh, But especially if Shalmont wins this game, you can just really see that the Sabres have gotten themselves on the right uh, trajectory this year. And in Class C, our final matchup we're looking at is Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren at Stillwater. Yeah, this uh, this is the biggest test so far for Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren. They've scored 245 points. They've allowed six. They have not been tested at all. They've faced the, the bottom of Class C and a Class D team so far. Stillwater... Uh, Looked, has looked really, really good in its wins. Did not have a great outing against Susan Falls Tamarack. Uh, this game, uh, both of these teams are probably going to be in the playoffs uh, with with four, with eight uh, with Class C being the only eight team playoff. Uh, but this game is going to be big for seeding, especially if one of these teams, won't, especially for Warrensburg, uh, is probably going to need this win if they want to be able to contend for a home game. We're both Philadelphia area natives. Our Eagles are three and zero. What do you think so far? Uh, I, as an Eagles fan, the phrase cautiously optimistic uh, will always exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will believe things are real when they're in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, I think they're good, but uh, I, I've, my life has been spent waiting for the uh, waiting for the penny to drop. <laughs> yeah, they've, the smart sports teams ages uh, a little too much, I think. But uh, I like what they're doing right now. Uh, they took care of Carson Wentz um, last Sunday. Now, the reunion tour continues as Doug Peterson comes back to Philadelphia with yeah, the Jacksonville. A yeah. uh, surprisingly good Jacksonville Jaguar team. I'm, ex- I'm excited about this uh, Jacksonville team. I am a longtime Trevor Lawrence guy. This guy who, when I saw him in Clemson, I'm like, this is the best college to pro quarterback transition I have seen since Andrew Luck. Yeah. Uh, was an absolute disaster as a rookie. I tend to blame that on the disaster that was Urban Meyer. Some talent on defense. Interesting game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch that game on Sunday. Adam, appreciate it. We'll do this again uh, next week in, in October. I mean, yeah. gosh, the leads will be falling, and we're getting close to the playoffs. Yeah, spooky season time. Yes, that's Adam Schindler of the Gazette. I'll be back to wrap up the uh, podcast and have the latest winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick Em and Auto Racing Contest. And there'll be a familiar name in that You Pick em football contest uh, VIP winner. Spoiler alert, it's not me. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in New York. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports writer Stan Hooty. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor 
Ken Shaw. Back to wrap up the podcast. The week three winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick em Football contest was James Platt of Schenectady. James wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, James. The VIP winners were Andrew Krauts of Glenville Beverage and the Gazette's Adam Schinder. Yes, that's what I was talking about at the end of the uh, segment with Adam. I was 5-11 and 11 last week while Adam was 11-5. and five. Adam is 28-19-1. I'm 22-25-1. I'll announce the winner of the You Pick'em Football Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the You Pick'em Football banner. The Week 30 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest was Robert Coleman of Greenfield Center, with 55 points. Robert wins a $50 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Robert. The VIP winner was Dwayne Leach of All Seasons Equipment with 25 points. I'll announce the winner of the auto racing contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the capital region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. And do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank members of the Union College men's hockey team and Adam Schinder for coming on the show. Union men's hockey fans will have post-game podcasts after Saturday's game against RIT and Sunday's game against Army West Point, so please give it a listen. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.